0: This program is brought to you by P1 Australia Racing Components, the designer of the oil heat mats for dry sump tank applications. Find out more about the truths on engine oil heating at p1australia.com. You love
1: supercars and keeping up to speed sometimes means hitting the rev limiter? Welcome to the Gates Rev Limiter Podcast. After each round, we unpack what happened. Join Andrew Clark. Paused the fraction and got it right, and they probably still would have won the race. I mean, and that, yours truly, Neville Wilkinson. Is it the heady days when Ford was spending mega bucks for all the action, all the controversy, and sometimes a little emotion? The Gates Rev Limited Supercars Podcast. Subscribe now on Apple, Spotify, or where you listen to them. Thunder Media. Hi, I'm Chas Mostert. Hi, I'm Shane Van Gisbergen. And you're listening to Inside Supercars. From the racetracks across Australia, and here's Inside Supercars.
0: On this episode of Inside Supercars, we catch up with a man who's guiding, Andre Heimgartner through 2023, who explains to us the differences in engineering a car in the daytime and the night.
2: Obviously, the track temp's much lower and the UV is much lower, so the surface condition that you get um, is a bit different and how that reacts with the tyre. But we do some fairly late practice sessions, so it shouldn't be too much of an adaption. And um, obviously, the basics like fuel burn and, and things like
0: that go up. Tony Woodward joins us on Inside Supercars, and it starts now. We're joined on this episode by Tony Woodward, the engineer and man behind Andre Heimgardner's performance for the last two years since he's been at BJR. Tony, thanks very much for joining us.
2: No problem at all, mate. My pleasure.
0: Oh, that's great. Uh, Just wanted to start off by asking, this year, new car, last year, new driver. How important was it to build a relationship with Andre last year with one known aspect of uh, the teamwork and the team moving into this year where we've had probably a harder thing to mould and to get speed out of with the Gen 3 car?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, if you had a fresh driver and a fresh car, that would be quite a tough ask. So... Um Last year, obviously, Andre coming into the team uh, with me, but me being familiar with the car that we had at that point, uh, obviously with many years under my belt with that package. So uh, for sure, having that one year just to get to uh, sort of gel with each other and understand how each other works um, with at least one known quantity, as you said, <laughs> um, was was definitely critical uh, coming into this year, which has been... Uh, quite a challenge for me with this new vehicle and i still feel like there's more to come from us so i'm I'm certainly not completely uh up to grasp with this new car and i don't think anyone really is but um just the way to achieve speed is quite different to what we were used to um so we've, we've certainly had some ups and downs this year but feel like we're on a on a good track at the moment and um yeah, everything's working well with Andre. I've really enjoyed um, him coming into the team and, and just working together uh, to hopefully get uh, a really solid result this year for uh, our whole group.
0: What has the, the whole job of turning over from last year, putting away 10 years of, of hard work <laughs> and, then, and moving to the new car been like, and as a team we've we've seen Brad you know becoming the uh, youtube star of 2023 explaining <laughs> the car but on the ground trying to work out what all the bits do and and i imagine it's it's new challenges for what could possibly go wrong
2: definitely um, yeah i mean for a start the the build of the car was a massive uh, hill to climb, so everyone worked incredibly hard at BJR over the off-season just to turn out four of these things. Let alone uh, get up to speed with them. So that that was the first hurdle. and then um, obviously the package itself. Us having minimal involvement uh, in in sort of the background design of you know the front end of the car. Uh, was a bit of a challenge and it's probably more of a I I guess like a a triple eight sort of philosophy in the front end um, which was quite different to what we were used to so adapting to that and how you uh, maximize speed from that has been a challenge for me personally Um, but yeah I mean it's constantly evolving so there's still more for everyone to find and we've seen you know, slight tweaks going on on both makes. So um, there's still a long way to get to the point where we were. You know, with the old car, with sort of ten years of refining it. So it's still very raw, um, and it's certainly not dialed to the point that we had the old vehicles. So that's, I think, why you see so much uh, variation in results across any teams. And and you can see at the moment that. You know, you can turn up to a race weekend and anyone can kind of win a race. Um, so it's been been a bit mixed purely because everyone's adapting uh, as rapidly as you can and it's very difficult uh, if you make a, one, uh, a sort of a wrong direction for the weekend to bring that back to track is uh, <laughs> very challenging as you've seen with us.
0: For yourself, you undertook your studies and training in uh, the University of Wollongong. When you were in, SA, in the SA program and in the university program, was getting to supercars the goal or what was the uh, engineering uh, challenge that you were looking forward to?
2: Yeah, absolutely. It probably um, started earlier than that. For me, I was racing go-karts, my whole childhood, so I uh, went to uni with the goal of entering into supercars, so that was always uh, the long-term plan, um, and obviously Mech Eng at uni and then the Formula Student program was kind of the stepping stones for that, um, which was, yeah, definitely Formula Student, super, super valuable. Um, yeah, then knocked out the four years of uni there, I uh, did a little bit of Formula 3 work with uh, an Aussie guy, Garnett Patterson, and then uh, found my way into BJR.
0: And what was it like getting into the open wheelers, which carts is the national progression, and learning a trade on such a highly technical car?
2: Yeah, definitely. I mean, they're probably a lot more refined package than, say, a supercar. So in terms of what you have to do, Uh, adjustment-wise and and to dial them in. They're definitely a lot simpler than what we have now, to be honest. Uh, So it was, you know, a natural stepping stone. Um, Much easier to get them in the window than what it is with these cars. So you can kind of cut your teeth, so to speak, with those and and get used to working with a driver and uh, get the communication channels going and all that. So definitely valuable and and not so difficult once you then make the jump into supercars.
0: So you did those couple of years working in the Formula Cars, and then made the move to BJR.
2: Yeah, that's right. So uh, joined BJR. I think it was the end of twenty fourteen. Um, worked worked with Dale Wood for a while as a as his data guy, um, and then stepped up to engineer Timmy Blanchard for a few years. Uh, then on to Tim Slade uh, and Todd Hazelwood, and then yeah, obviously now Andre. So been around the block a fair bit.
0: (laughs) You started under Wally's story, who has immense experience. How much was knowledge that was gained off just being around him as much as book learning through university?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Wally was uh, great to me personally. Um, He was very, very open with any ideas that I had and never sort of shut down anything. So let me kind of find my own way, right or wrong, um, through the whole process and just yeah, it was a great sort of outright knowledge base to bounce ideas off and um very very practical, sort of old school type engineer. Um but yeah, obviously, you know, fifty years of experience you learn a few things, so absolutely invaluable and um has probably influenced the style of engineering that I do still to this date.
0: Mm. And you mentioned Dale Wood, Tim Blanchard. Now, they're two interesting cats in as much as they had businesses which were Absolutely. also occupying part of their focus whilst they were race driving. With Andre, to the best of my knowledge, he's a race car driver, number one, and if he has any other interests, it's, it's not uh, taking as much uh, of his mental resources and as much of his time as what certainly Blanchard and Dale Wood were having to balance.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, massive respect for those guys trying to manage both the commercial side of life as well as the race car driving. So uh, certainly a difficult task, but for Andre, uh, very one-track mind and this is what we're we're going for. Obviously, we want to perform as well as we can uh, in the championship for ourselves, but but also for BJR. So um, a little bit of, bit of a difference there, but still, you know, having Dale as our co-driver um, for the past couple of years, that's been great because obviously I had that background with him uh, many moons ago. So just slotted right into our little group perfectly.
0: So looking at the knowledge bank that you built up throughout that time and now applying it to the Gen 3, there's Obviously, things that are uh, simple challenges that are just camber, caster, you know, bump steer and weight transfer, those sorts of things. But then there's the toolbox that makes those adjustments. How big a challenge has that to get your head around that, yes, I need to change these things, but it's not the same way of making those changes.
2: Yeah, that's that's exactly the, the crux of the issue. Like we had a very refined toolbox for what we needed from the previous generation car and I was very confident that I could uh put together, you know, a group of changes to do what Andre was asking for at any point. Um and that's been the biggest challenge jumping into this car, like the the toolbox that you had before doesn't apply at all and the way that the car behaves to those changes is quite different Um, in more fundamentals you know whether it be roll bar digression or something like that uh, which is kind of what we play with a lot that's that's quite different in how it behaves um, in comparison to the old car so uh, at the start it was very difficult because you you sort of used to using those tools Uh, you put them in and then you don't get what you expect so that's kind of the challenge of it all Um, but I feel like we're coming to grips with that now quite well.
0: And you also had a, a very big knowledge bank of reliability of components and duration expected life of components. How difficult has it been with the Gen 3 knowing that you had so many brand new, reasonably untested components that all have now been developing and showing what their life expectancy is
2: yeah that's right um it's probably more of a a challenge for the guys who have to service all that stuff than uh the engineering department directly so um that's you know we've been playing things on the safe side um you know pulling apart everything and inspecting things definitely more regularly than they need to be um just to be on the safe side, and then from there we can generate like a lifing schedule that we had uh, fairly well down pat with the old car. But it's been, you know, a lot of just little niggly issues like roll bar blades moving and and, and small things like that, which seem, uh, you know, not that sensitive, but uh, in a race or in a race result, they can have quite an effect. Especially now that you can't kind of tune around whatever's happening with the car on the fly with the adjustable roll bars. So very difficult once you enter a race to um, adapt. You kind of more set your destiny beforehand and then um, do your best for that race and then try and move forwards for the next one.
0: And you raise an interesting little dynamic there, and particularly in a four-car team, the engineering department and the mechanical department. we, We think of it all being one, but the car chief and the chief engineer, sometimes you uh, don't always rub each other up the right way.
2: Um, yeah, I mean, for sure you can have challenging moments, but honestly uh, the whole group at BJR, whether it be the whole engineering dynamic with, you know, Paul Scalzo sort of uh, gluing our team together and then uh, Phil obviously on the other um, car on our boom, everyone's been working really well together and the mechanics have been outstanding through this whole process. Obviously we don't uh, have a preset idea about what the car needs to do at the moment. So there's been a lot of changes and those boys have been working really hard, but uh, they all understand the process and they've, they are bought into uh, the end goal. So it's been really good at the moment, actually Uh, everyone's gelling quite well and it's a very, uh, happy dynamic so i'd say it's one of the best positions we've been in
0: but there is that us and them in the you can't avoid those sort of clashes and those sort of dynamics can you
2: uh for sure i i know everyone sort of speaks about that but it it really doesn't feel like that uh without within our group at the moment where one team and and one goal so uh there's not really a divide between us um And and to be honest, you know, we spent a lot of time working on the cars with them at the start of the year just to get things done because it was so, you know, everyone was so time poor. So I think those types of uh, things can, can glue a group together and it's been, yeah, excellent at the moment.
0: You're off to Sydney Motorsport Park this weekend. What has been the challenges in getting ready? Because... At least you've had one run around the track before you've gone there this season. But then the question is, how relevant is it halfway through the year, so many races under your belt now compared to when everything was so green at the beginning or well, before the season started?
2: Yeah, that's right. I mean, um, the sort of setup direction that we we're running at that stage of the year is quite different to what we've developed to now. And obviously, at the start of a new car, you move direction rather rapidly. So it's hard to know what we take back there um, from from learning earlier in the year or what we just do trying to continue our current direction with the package forward. So um, at the moment for us, it's probably more of, of what we've been doing recently rather than um, jumping back to where we were at the start of the year, even though we seemed quite fast there. I think, um, at the beginning of this this car, everyone will move really, really fast uh, with setup and and pace, so I think you can't really look back at that and rely on that that sort of setup force for working again for us, so it's more just keep pushing forwards and then keep an eye uh, looking over our shoulder at what we were doing earlier in the year if we need to
0: and thinking back to when you were Racing carts, and and then went into engineering at uni. What would you tell, you know, student Tony Woodward now <laughs> about the experiences and about life as a, a chief engineer?
2: Well, that's a tough question. Um, yeah, I think you, you've really got to want the end goal. So for me, supercars was always uh, where I wanted to be. I wasn't really someone chasing after the F1 dream or anything like that. So <clears throat> uh, knowing where I wanted to go and then everything I did was uh, really a step towards that regardless of how difficult it is um, financially or, or whatever. You've got to have that end goal in mind and just push for it no matter what anyone says. Um, certainly having that background in motorsport from a, from a young age is key. Uh, you've kind of got a understanding of how everything works before you jump into it. So for sure, to someone coming you know, straight from a uni course into motorsport, that would be quite challenging. So I think just try and expose yourself as much as you can to uh, motorsport outside of university um, and then be involved with the formula student stuff is is key. Just the more hands-on experience you can get, the better.
0: And, of course, being part of Formula SAE, at the time you were there, you had the benefit of sitting down with one of Australia and the world's great engineers, Ron Taranac.
2: I did, but to be honest, uh, only in passing, I never had a huge amount to do with Ron. He was sort of, um, I guess, phasing out of of the competition at that stage, so I I can't say... uh, I had a huge amount of exposure to him, unfortunately, but for sure the whole Formula Student program, you definitely get exposure to some of those types of characters which they always provide great insight um, into the motorsport world in a similar way that Wally Storey did uh, for me personally.
0: Who were the engineers that did make an impression of you?
2: Uh, Claude um, Ruel uh, is probably the one... I actually spent a bit of time listening to, um, he runs the Optimum G um, training program, Um, and he'd had a bit of experience uh, through a lot of categories in motorsport. Uh, I think he was even working with ProDrive in their early days, so he was a great one um, to try and feed from, and probably the most involvement that I had with any of them at the Formula Student level.
0: Well, Tony, we're looking forward to seeing the cars at Sydney Motorsport Park, particularly under lights. How different is the engineering challenge when you are racing under lights compared to racing during the day?
2: Yeah, it, it's obviously a little bit different. Um, obviously, the track temp's much lower and the UV is much slower. So the surface condition that you get um, is a bit different and how that reacts with the tyre. Uh, but we do some fairly late practice sessions so it shouldn't be too much of an adaption and um obviously the basics like fuel burn and, and things like that go up um for the drivers it's not hugely different maybe the tires live slightly better than uh what they would uh during the daytime um and yeah obviously the lighting and and the infrastructure there at sydney is so good now in terms of vision, it's as good as you get during the day, so no real dramas there.
0: Mm. Well, Tony, to all you and the team, all the very best. Now, I want to say no pressure, but I <laughs> did speak to Manuel Sanchez in the lead-up days, in the lead-up days before Darwin, so no, no oh pressure.
2: Sure. Jeez, you put it on me yeah. No, honestly, um, yeah, we, we're just going to every event with only expectation of doing the best job that we can and, and maximizing what we've got so uh, everything from then on i think will flow um, with the continual development of the group and and yeah as i said before everyone's working so well together so it's a credit to the whole team
0: tony Woodward from bjr looking after andre Heimgardner in 2023 thanks very much for spending the time with us here on inside supercars
1: my pleasure mate thank you You love supercars and keeping up to speed sometimes means hitting the rev limiter. Welcome to the Gates Rev Limiter Podcast. After each round, we unpack what happened. Join Andrew Clark. Paused the fraction and got it right, and they probably still would have won the race. I mean, and yours truly, Neville Wilkinson. These are the heady days when Ford was spending mega bucks for all the action, all the controversy, and sometimes a little emotion. The Gates Rev Limited Supercars Podcast. Subscribe now on Apple, Spotify, or where you listen to them.